If you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 21 this morning. So, like I said, we are wrapping up this middle section of the book of Acts. What a wild ride it's been, right? I mean, last month or so, we've been tracking with Barnabas and Paul on this mission trip that they've been on, right? That they were commissioned, they were called by God out of a church in a town called Antioch. Is that cool or what? And uh, they've been on this incredible journey, but I wanted to bring a little context into this. Now, this whole Acts, which is the history of the, the birth of the church, right? This whole Acts started, I don't know, we've been doing this for six or seven months, right? Back, but remember back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus said right before his ascension, right before he went back, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's what's been going on, right? That's, we've been tracking that very thing. It started in Jerusalem, right? It went out into the surrounding area in Judea. It went into Samaria. And man, this thing about going to the ends of the earth was God was in full force, right? He's on the move. He is spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. And these disciples, these apostles were like hanging on, right? They're, they're on a wild ride. I mean, it's amazing. So we're picking up the story with Barnabas and Paul have been on this mission trip. Well, they were commissioned to go on this mission trip back in Acts chapter 13. Pick this up in verse 2. While they were worshiping, the, this was in Antioch, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. Sound familiar? We were all fasting up here. You just, you just couldn't see it. But anyway, they were sent off. Could you, first of all, could you imagine being in a church where you're sitting in church and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, you know, that starts saying, set apart for me, Joe and Jill, because, I mean, I don't know how that worked, but there was a connection so deep that they all heard it. And it wasn't just Barnabas and Saul, it was that whole church, because they were commissioned and they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. God was on the move. This church in Antioch was one of the first, like, Gentile churches. Remember that? That's another twist to this whole crazy adventure that not only was God taking the message to the ends of the earth, but it was going beyond just the Jews and out to the Gentiles, which is basically everybody else. Now God was opening the door and building relationships and creating relationships with every nation, every tribe, every language, and every tongue, and He was in full force doing this, right? And these guys... Paul, or Saul, later to become Paul, and Barnabas were sent out into these Gentile regions on this crazy thrill ride mission trip to bring the gospel to the far reaches of the earth. Amen? I mean, what a commission. The Holy Spirit called them. Don't miss that. It wasn't like God's like, okay, guys, here's the plan. I'm going to stay here in Antioch, and you guys are going to go out and do this. Come back and let me know how it's going. That's not what would happen. The Holy Spirit 
went before them. The Holy Spirit went with them. That's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you're going to go out. Jesus isn't asking us to do anything apart from him. Nothing. That's good news, <laughs> right? I can't do much apart from Jesus, right? He is with me. He is with you. And he was with Barnabas and Paul. And so they go out, and we're, we're going to pick up the story today. They've been going from town to town to town, and as Phil and Larry have preached the last month or so, there's been a lot going on. God has been doing miracles in every single town that they go to. And every single town that they go to, they, two things generally happen. They preach the gospel first, right? They preach that Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, is the son of, proved that he was the son of God, and he is ushering in a new kingdom that will never end. Okay? The kingdom has been brought in, but it will fully be consummated in the end when he comes back. And they were preaching that message that through faith in Jesus, you can have forgiveness of sins. Through faith in Jesus, you can be declared righteous before God. You can have Jesus' righteousness come upon you. By placing your faith in Jesus, you can have a relationship with God. That's what they were preaching in every single town and synagogue that they went to. They were preaching this to the Jews. They were preaching this to the Gentiles. And as soon as that message went out, simultaneously two things would happen. Number one, people would get saved. <laughs> people would go, what? I can have a relationship with God? I'm a I'm a Gentile. You can have a relationship with God. God's opening the door to the Gentiles. Are you kidding me? Really? I can have a relationship with God. I can have my sins forgiven? When God looks at me, he sees his son. He sees, yeah, it's amazing. People were getting saved in every town they went to. I mean, that's exhilarating when you're a missionary and you're preaching the gospel and people are responding. People are getting saved. They're accepting Christ. They have a new identity. Their whole life is changing. And it, that's the time to go home, right? I said two things were happening simultaneously when the gospel went out. Number one, people were getting saved. And number two, people were getting angry. People were getting triggered. I mean, they would hear that message and something would trigger in them that would cause them to do these horrendous, evil acts upon these two guys. Every town they went to, they ran into massive opposition. These people were hostile. I mean, riots were starting. Whole towns were dividing over this message. Riots were starting. Murder plots were forming. Right? People were getting hurt. People were, were forming and following these two missionaries around and trying to mess up the message and poison people's minds and planning to kill these guys. And finally, they caught up with them in Lystra. 
and just drug Paul outside and just stoned him to death. I mean, for, that's what they thought. He must have been, though, when you're stoning somebody with big boulders right on the head, I mean, just boom, and they looked at him, he's dead, you know, mission accomplished, and they just left him there. They must have thought he was dead. I'm telling you guys, God was with these guys all the way through. Boom, Paul pops up, right? Miracle. Let's go to the next town. So they go to Derby, preach the word there. Where we're picking up the story, they're done with the mission trip. They're, they're going to go home now. I'm thinking, man, they're probably ready to go home, right? They're like, let's go. And honestly, from Derby, which is the last town that they hit, to go back to their ch main church, it wasn't really that far. They could, they could have taken an easier route. But God had another plan. Because you know what? There were some new Christians that had just got saved in Iconium, in Antioch, in Lystra, probably sitting up there going, what did we sign up for, right? These two guys blow into town. I get saved. I mean, that's the greatest message I've ever heard. And, and now everybody's mad at me, right? I mean, the whole town's buzzing over this. The whole town, town's divided. Can you imagine what they must have been feeling? And God told Barnabas and Paul, you're going to go back through these towns, and I want you to encourage and strengthen these disciples. Because they're up there, and their knees are knocking. <laughs> they're up there like nervous and afraid. Who knows, right? All, all they know is this is hard. They get saved, and everything is different in a crazy kind of a way. It's not potlucks and concerts for these guys, right? It's tension. It's agitation. Families have been divided. Towns have been divided. They're like, what do we do now? So Paul and Barnabas go back up there, and we pick up the story in Acts chapter uh, 13, I'm sorry, 14, verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city, that's Derby, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they have believed. Did you, did you catch that? First of all, these new believers, these baby Christians, they needed some attention, right? They needed some love. They needed some assurance. They needed somebody to come along and say, you know what, guys? Yeah, it's tough. So when Paul and Barnabas left, they're like, they're, they're gone, but now here they come back. So now can you imagine they're like, hey, here comes Paul and Barnabas. They came back. You guys came back. So when the Bible says that Paul and Barnabas strengthened the souls of the disciples. What a beautiful phrase. Your soul is basically your psyche. It's, it's who you are. It's the seat of your emotions and your passions 
and your affections and your desires. It's, it's like the core of who you are. And I'm just telling you, they needed strengthening at the core. They needed some strengthening because they were probably like wavering maybe a little bit. Like, I, you know, maybe we were a little too hasty with this whole Christian thing, right? I've already lost my job, you know, it's my neighbors are throwing stuff at my, I mean, maybe we, maybe this wasn't a good idea. You know, God knows how we are. It is not easy to be a Christian in a hostile environment. It's a lot easier just to relax and, and, and take the prosperity route. That's, these guys didn't have that option. They were strengthened in their soul. God was doing that through Paul and Barnabas because he knows that we get afraid or we get concerned or we get confused. And not only that, but there's all kinds of people following Paul and Barnabas around preaching a different gospel. It's confusing. Who's right? So the way that they went through there, strengthening their soul and encouraging them to continue in the faith. They were encouraging them, guys, guys, there's only one gospel. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's it. You, didn't, you can't do anything to earn this gospel. Don't let these other guys confuse you and tell you that you have to add the law or that you have to add some other thing. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Guys, don't waver from that. Continue in that faith. Amidst opposition, no matter what anyone else says, don't accept another gospel. This is the one. Stay true to it, stay fast to it. And I thought to myself this week, yeah, I know that's, I don't want to do that. And then boom, something happens and I'm like taken off guard. Some other gospel comes up, some prosperity gospel comes around, or some other workspace, performance-based gospel comes around. And it sounds really attractive and I get lured into that, or maybe you get lured into that. And I just want to tell you that Jesus knows What's going on? This word, continue in the faith, could also be remain. Jesus told his disciples the night before he was crucified in John 15, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Paul was basically challenging these guys, look, stay with Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. It's your only shot, or you're going to get lured away. There's lots of different gospels out there. Stay connected to the vine. So he encouraged them to continue in their faith. And the, he, they were warned about the tribulation. He said, look, through many tribulations, we're going to enter the kingdom of God. This is not easy street, guys. 
You, what you saw happen to me, that's going to happen to you. And I'm thinking, that's not a very good discipleship strategy, you know, telling people that it's going to be hard and everything. That's not a good strategy to get people to sign up to be small group leaders, right? I'm just saying at least Barnabas and Paul told them the truth and didn't pitch some form of Christianity that was comfort and no problems and come to Jesus and then you will have your best life and all that other stuff that we hear in this country. It's not that they got the truth. Guys, you're going to have tribulation if you become a Christian. It's going to be hard. You're going to be persecuted. Paul told the Thessalonians that it was his destiny that he was going to face these trials. God understood it. God ordained it. God was in control of it. If you're going to be a witness for Jesus, you're going to get persecuted in one way or another. That's the truth. So, they were encouraged in their souls. They were encouraged to stay in the faith. They were warned about entering in the kingdom. And then they were assigned or appointed leaders, just like we do. Because Paul and Barnabas used God because he knew, he knew that they were going to need leadership. So they appointed el elders. Look at in verse uh, 24. Then they passed through, uh, I'm sorry, in verse yeah, verse 24, then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. Actually, I'm sorry, before we get to that, up in verse 23, and when they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Sorry about that. People, leadership, leaders are important. We need leadership. The people that came up here today were called by God, and that call was confirmed by the church. They had references. They were vetted. We saw what they heard. And now they, it's not that they're lording it over you, but they have accepted a responsibility to care for the care and safekeeping of God's people. Amen? We need these leaders. You need to pray for the leaders. Some of you are called to be leaders today. Leadership is very important at the church. So off they go, right? They've established these relationships. They've loving on these guys. They're encouraging these guys. The appointed leaders, and they get back home. They go all the way back through. They're preaching all the way through, all the way home. They get all the way back to their church in Antioch. Can you imagine that homecoming, that welcoming? Like, where have you guys been? I mean, we heard all this crazy stuff. Paul, you're alive. You look a little bumpy, but you look pretty good. Because, I mean, who knows? They didn't have social media or anything. They, how did, they didn't even know if these guys were alive, right? They, they were probably getting reports, and the reports probably were very good. Here they come, Barnabas and Paul. I mean, what a homecoming. And Barnabas and Paul, what did they do? They just probably couldn't stop talking, right? Just sharing about all the things that God had done through them. We'll pick it up in verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pampalia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch. 
where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with those disciples. I mean, I love it when the missionaries come back, when the students come back, and we get, you know, we have that feedback, and we get that kind of the session where they share all this cool stuff that God was doing. I mean, that's church to me. It's home. I mean, we come in here on Sunday and we're sharing with each other all the cool stuff God's doing all during the week and we're worshiping together and we're praising God together and, and then we go back out because the church was never meant to be like a little silo. I guarantee you this last verse, it says, and they remained there no little time with the disciples. Guess what they were doing? Preparing for the next one. They're going to go out again because they know what we need to know. Church is not the end result for a Christian. Hey, I get saved. I mean, have you ever asked somebody, are you a Christian? Yeah, I go to church. Uh, okay, yeah. What else, right? Because there's more. We go to church to get discipled. We go to church for corporate worship. We go to church to hear the preaching of the word. We go to church to get equipped to then engage with God and what he's doing in the world. This isn't the ending point, right? Our small groups are like little, these little churches all over town, these little outposts. They operate a lot like the church. We rise up leaders. They teach the Bible. People are, are growing and learning in there, and they have neighbors all over the place. Part of being a small group is to, to have relationships and to get discipled, but another big part of it is to spread the gospel and be a witness in whatever little area you are. That's what's going on. We get to the, the end of this mission trip, and, you know, I could stop the sermon right here, and maybe you're wondering, yeah, that's a great story, Barnabas and Paul, you know? They overcame it all. What difference does that make to me? Let me tell you what difference it makes to us. That happened 2,000 years ago. I'm in Brentwood, Oakley, Antioch. What difference does it make to me? Number one, first and foremost, that mission that they started, that Jesus commanded in Acts 1 verse 8, is still going on. It hasn't ended. We are still, we're a part of this story. Do you guys realize that? We are continuing on what they started. God is still moving to the ends of the earth. He's still moving, saving people of every tribe, of every nation, of every tongue, and every language. And we, you, are a part of that. Golden Hills is a part of that calling from Jesus. And Golden Hills is a church that is training people and equipping people and committing people to the Lord to go out and continue on with this mission. We are a part of that story. It's not over. We're a part of that. To me, that, that's crazy. That's amazing. Look around. There's lost people everywhere. This, this country is lost. I mean, do you guys get the feeling like it's a time bomb waiting to explode? I'm, I'm just waiting for that one thing that's going to be so 
tense that it's just going to explode. And people are going to get hurt. And, and there's division everywhere. Nobody can agree on anything. Can I just tell you guys that we live in a different kingdom? We're not of this world. This is not our home. We live here, but this is not our home. We don't have to get sucked in to all that drama that's going on in government and going on all over the world. We don't have to get sucked into that. It's not God's will that we get sucked into that. It's God's will that we live in that. Why? Because those people, are, they're not the enemy. They're just afraid. And their fear is causing them to kill each other and hate each other and not forgive each other. We're not to be a part of that. We live above that. That doesn't mean we're any better than them, but we belong to a different king. We belong to a different kingdom. We are to engage that. They're not the enemy out there. They're prisoners of war. And God has called us to engage with them and give them the saving message of the gospel so that they can be rescued just like me and you were because we were amongst that at one time. And God rescued us out of that. Somebody preached the gospel to us and we got saved. Now, we're going to go back in because God is still saving people in this crazy place. And he wants to use you and he wants to use me. Amen? We don't have to get sucked into all of that. We're on the same mission trip that Jesus started. Right? That's what I see. So not only are we in this story, this matters a lot to us today but check this out. The same Holy Spirit that called Barnabas and Paul in that church in Antioch 2,000 years ago is the exact same Holy Spirit that is calling people today, and he's calling you right now. It's the same Holy Spirit. He's not different. Same spirit then, same spirit now, calling people to mission, calling people to lead, calling people into discipleship, calling people to be his witnesses. It's the same. This matters to us. And our church goes to great lengths to help you hear that call. Okay, not all of you are leaders. Not all of you are called to be leaders. I'm going to tell you right now, some of you guys are right now. God is calling you to lead his people. And I just want you to know, we, we go to great lengths to help you verify that call and to hear that call. There's no self-appointed leaders around here. Okay, that, when the Holy Spirit spoke in that, to that church in Antioch, they all heard it. And they all got together and prayed and fasted and sent Barnabas and Paul out. I get a little leery when, when I hear this yeah, God told me to tell you that I'm supposed to be a leader of XML. Okay. <laughs> when he tells me that, then, we, you know, it's, it's, there's no self-appointed apostles. That just, it doesn't work that way. God calls in community. You hear the call, you gather leaders around and ask them to pray and help you make sure and then train you and equip you. We take that very seriously around here. So if, if you're hearing something today, feeling something from God, and you're not sure, let us help you with that. Same Holy Spirit working today that was working then. And I'll tell you what, when he calls, 
we go. When he calls, we go. You don't need a lot of faith to go, all right? Just like a little teeny bit, just a little mustard seed amount of faith, right? And then you go, and I'm going to tell you the truth. It's going to be crazy as soon as you go. There's going to be opposition, spiritual opposition, all kinds of opposition. You may not get stoned. I know you're thinking, I don't think I'm going to get stoned this week, but uh, I don't know if that's going to happen to you, but there's all kinds of tribulation that you could face when you step up and answer the call. I'm just telling you, expect it. Expect that that's going to happen. This week for me, I hammered. Hammered. I was hammered. Physically hammered. Emotionally spent. Uh, spiritually, I could feel it. I could just feel this tension. You know that stuff that... The, that you're going to do a terrible job. Nobody's going to like that. Just that stuff. Did you ever get that? It's like, where is that coming from? Just the shaming, shaming, shaming. I get that. Here I am. I want to be faithful. Because I truly believe that God wanted me to preach this today. And I expected to get hammered. And I ask my brothers and sisters to pray for me. I'm just telling you the truth. Expect it. Expect it. Expect it from without. Expect it from the spiritual forces of evil. Expect it. It's going to happen. So as he calls, we go no matter what. Sharing Jesus is always going to be part of that. Loving people is always going to be part of that. And tribulation is always going to be part of that. As I wrap this up this morning, I, uh, it's so tempting for pastors sometimes to, to want to give you the little, you guys need to be like Paul and Barnabas. How heroic they were and they just kept going, you know. He got stoned, and he wasn't going to stop. And, you know, you need to be like Paul. Look how loving he was to the disciples. And look at it. Be like Paul. Model your life after Paul. And I would tell you, when I get to heaven, if I did that, Paul would look at me and said, what, have you lost your mind? Paul's fine. Jesus is amazing. Be like Jesus. It's been said that Paul was the greatest missionary. Jesus is the greatest missionary, I'm sorry. Jesus is the greatest missionary that ever lived, okay? He's the one that said, my spirit, the Holy Spirit, is going to come upon you, okay? First of all, you're not doing anything. My Holy Spirit is going to come on you, and then you're going to receive power, and then you're going to go out. So don't think you're doing it. I'm doing it. The Spirit's doing it through you. Okay, this is my mission. I'm saving the world. Okay, so you're going out under my power. I'm going to tell you what to do. He's the greatest missionary. He goes before us in everything, right? He's the one saving people. I don't save anybody. 
You don't save anybody. Jesus saves people through me. He can use me, but he's the one doing it. Jesus has appointed people that I'm going to talk to already. They were appointed for that before they were ever born. He's already picked the people that he wants me to talk to. He's going to give me the words to say to these people. I don't have to worry about that. He's going to give me the words. He's given them the faith to listen and respond to the words that I'm going to say. Can I just say, the pressure's off? Okay, we can witness. God's got all of this lined up. We just need to move with him. And don't freak out if we get a bunch of opposition. You want to talk about Paul or Barnabas caring about those disciples' souls? I know they did. I'm sure they did. But no one cares more about your soul or my soul than Jesus Christ, who owns my soul, saved my soul, strengthens my soul, and lives in my soul, and wants to strengthen and encourage. He's with me every day, because I need that every day. I love you guys. You minister to me, but God is there all the time, always. He cares way more about my soul than you ever could. And when you talk about persecution that Paul or, or Barnabas or any of these guys face, you want to talk about persecution? Jesus faced it all, man. He took on the worst of it, and he paid the ultimate price for the persecution that he faced. And he rose from the dead, and he conquered it. And he said, you have authority in this world that you live in because you're in me. You're in Christ. I've overcome this world. I've overcome death. And I've overcome sin. I live in, you're in Christ. I'm in you. Go out. Don't be afraid. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I can go out, engage in the world with Jesus. And even if that process cost me my life, that's fine. I'm going to be with him in glory. Amen? I, I don't know what you're going to do with this today. I don't know what, how you're going to respond. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow him. Amen. God, thank you. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for caring about our souls. Thank you for the church. Thank you for raising people up. Thank you for community. Thank you for relationship. Thank you that we can lean on each other. Thank you that we've got this, this place that we call home. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that we can live above all this craziness. Thank you that this is not our home. Thank you that you're going to come back and finish what you started and, br and bring us to our final destination. Thank you that we'll never lose you. Thank you that we can participate in your saving work. Thank you. I just want to thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen.